Well, hey everybody, I'm Brad. And I'm Starla. And welcome to episode two of the Fruitful Family Podcast, um, where we want to talk about where faith, family, and farming, and how all of those things have come together in our own lives. And so tonight, or I guess on this episode tonight, because we're recording this late at night and we just put all of our kids to bed, um, tonight we're going to be talking about uh, the first of those, and that is our faith. And so what we have kind of decided how to approach that is, and what we've heard from some of you all actually off the bat, is um, you wanted to hear kind of our faith story, our testimony. And so we're going to kind of do uh, more or less an interview of each other or just kind of tell each other's story. And then we will interrupt each other, which we do really well. And um, to help fill in the gaps and things like that. So, um, yeah, we're excited. Episode two, hopefully you're still hanging in there. And um, tonight's topic, again, faith. And we'll begin, uh, Starla's going to begin by kind of sharing her story, how she came to faith and what that has looked like over the years for her. So why don't you go ahead and share with us kind of the beginning of Mm pre-faith and faith for you. Yeah. What does it look like? So I grew up in upstate New York. I went to a, we primarily went to United Methodist churches in New York. Um, and God wasn't really a part of my everyday life, except for we did sing songs about God uh, before bed with my mom. Uh, and then I went to a, Mennonite Christian camp starting when I was eight years old uh, that had that was also uh, kind of charismatic um, and there they charismatic really... Mennonites they're a thing <laughs> I guess that's so. not what I think of <laughs> when I think of can, uh, charismatics or Mennonites but so, I guess it's, a, it's I guess like it's a thing in upstate Mennonites. New York mixed with charismatic people who also go to the camp. <laughs> um, it's a cool. thing. It's, I guess it's a thing. And um, that was my real taste of, of what walking with Jesus might look like. My aunt and uncle also were, were strong Christians. Um, so between the Mennonite camp and my aunt and uncle and cousins... Uh, I was able to see what daily walking with Christ would look like. Um, And it was very appealing to me, but even as a young child, I had a strong sense of my own sinfulness because of different situations that I was put in. And uh, when I was 14 years old, I was really sick of my own sin. And I was finally ready to submit my life to Christ. Didn't you also 
You grew up in a Catholic school, right? I grew up going to Catholic school from second to seventh grade. So there's, you got a bit of warring theological traditions there. Definitely. Which I think you see kind of played out in my life as I get Mm. older. Um, But, so at 14, I was... I was sick of my own sinfulness, and I I was ready to submit my life to Christ. And we would see that as the gift of faith, uh, which comes only through the Holy Spirit. Um, And so then I was the annoying girl in high school who was trying to convert everyone because I really hated my sin and I wanted other people to hate their sin too. And as you know, being a teenager is often very sin- often a very sinful time. Um so then I went to As um, I know. <laughs> you're going to talk about it. Um I went to college and was in kind of a hard for me relationship. And I, I really tried to still cling to Christ, but admittedly, I didn't do it well. And I didn't have very good theology. I really didn't have a good basis for why I believed what I believed. Mm. Um, and so I ended up walking away from the faith by and large. Um, I got married. We did not walk with Christ faithfully in our marriage or together or individually. Uh, Went to massage therapy school, which was very new agey, although also very healing. And went to a Disciples of Christ seminary and got a Master's of Divinity, became ordained as a Disciples of Christ minister. Went to become a hospice chaplain and that is when I met you I was a children's hospice chaplain in eastern Kentucky when I met Brad and should we maybe pause there and maybe I'll share my story up until that point and then we can kind of converge the two Mm -hmm. as we go how's that sound sounds good So uh, I grew up in suburban St. Louis, and the thing that I hated most in the world was going to church. I absolutely hated it. Most kids would, you know, put the thermometer to the light bulb to not go to school, and I would come up with everything to not go to church. It was just the thing that I did not want to do. And um, thankfully... uh, my mom, in particular, was really faithful to keep that going. Um, I believe we started going to to even this one particular church, the main church that I, the church that I grew up in, and ended up not leaving until I was nineteen years old or so when I moved. Um, going up into middle school, I was in seventh grade, about twelve years old. And got invited to the youth group by um, an upperclassman. I believe he was a sophomore, maybe a junior at the time in high school. And invited me to come. 
And though I had probably, over the span of six, seven years, probably realistically heard the gospel hundreds of times um, in varying ways, uh, we were we were talking about this beforehand, and I was trying to explain that I, I had heard it hundreds of times but never heard it. Um, but this night I heard the gospel, um, the good news that, that God sent Christ for me in my place as a sinner and that, um, that my responsibility was not to be better, but to believe in him, to trust in him for what he had already accomplished on my behalf. And, and so that night I was about 12 years old. I was really drawn to this idea as, as God is a good father. Um, there was there were some uh, things I was struggling with in that area. And uh, that was really meaningful to me, along with just knowing that, um, that I couldn't do anything. And so for the next, I don't know, four or five years or so, I really... I really struggled. I would go through these cycles. Um, you think through like the book of Judges. Uh, I have a moth flying around my face. That's driving me crazy right now. And I'm trying to play it off cool and it's not working. It's a fly. Because I don't do anything smooth and cool. Oh, we're going to keep that in. I'm not going to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> so if you think to the book of Judges, there's these cyclical patterns in the life of Israel of God's people where um, they would honor the Lord and they would obey him. They would do uh, what was pleasing to him. They would throw away their non-Christian CDs. <laughs> they would go to youth camp and they would crack all their, uh, all their tool CDs and things like that all their Nirvana and Pearl Jam CDs. And then, um, you know, there would be this time of faithfulness and this time of conviction and, and brokenness over sin. And then over time, you know, we're told that they would do what is right in their own eyes. And they would, they would toy with idolatry and they would toy with sin and all these things again. And, and even in the most subtle ways in their own heart, um, rebel against God. And that, that's very similar to what I was doing. Um, though not necessarily completely externally or even visibly to those around me. Um, oftentimes I was, I was probably seen as kind of a model child uh, when internally um, I was struggling a lot, struggling at home. Um, and uh, I ended up, uh, was in this really long-term relationship and during one of our breaks, uh, I had a friend just, he wanted to get me out of the house and he was going to this, this event. I didn't know anything about it. I thought it sounded kind of weird. We were going to camp out. We were going to go hear a whole bunch of preaching and, uh, I didn't know anything about it. He was going to pay my way. Cool. I'm in. Well, it turns out that in that that event ends up being kind of this watershed moment for uh, Christians in our generation. It was known as One Day. Um, I didn't know any of the speakers. I didn't know any of the bands. And um, 
it was there I was exposed to Vody Bauckham for the first time. It was there I was exposed to John Piper for the first time. Um, and, and even, uh, this is where John Piper preached his famous, uh, don't waste your life. The, the seashell, seashell sermon. It's a hard word. It is hard. Thanks. Um, and, and so I had gone into this weekend wrestling with, uh, the idea of pursuing ministry and really that, that don't waste your life sermon really was, um, monumental to, to that conversation I was having internally came home, committed to pursue ministry, which I did started serving at churches, um, after, uh, while attending Bible college in Louisville, Kentucky and got married serving in churches and um, as, as I had basically worked up in that point, and that was really the first sense of certainty that I had had. I'd really gone back and forth, didn't know what I wanted to do with life. I was an athlete, wanted to be involved with sports, but pretty much sucked at it. I didn't suck. I was mediocre at everything I did. Like, I just didn't excel at anything. Me too. I was a mediocre athlete. Yeah. And... See, we're a match made. We are. A match of mediocrity. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing exceptional about us except for our fertility rate. <laughs> what happens when you match two <laughs> mediocre, mediocre people? <laughs> they have a lot of babies. <laughs> so, uh, all of this happened, and everything that I had I had spent years at this point working towards, uh, vocational ministry and marriage, and had a kid, and it all seemed to go away just, to, just in the blink of an eye. You really had a Jobian kind of experience at that point. Yeah, it, and so, you know, darkness ensued. Um, there was... There was depression. There was the idea of everything I had worked for, my family, my... My vocation, everything was was gone, and uh, eventually I fell into law enforcement, which is not something I ever saw myself. I didn't. I wasn't one of those kids that grew up and was like, "I want to be a cop when I grow up." But I always liked the idea of it. I was enthralled with shows like CSI and stuff like that. Um, and that was when we met. I had graduated the police academy. I think I had finished at least my first, I think my first year. I had, I was off of probation, which I almost didn't make it off of. I almost got, got axed like three times while I was on probation because I couldn't hack it. Um, but it was, a, it was a huge, I can talk about those watershed moments for me of, um, like recovering masculinity, um, learning what it means to be a man, what it means to protect, uh, what it means to serve. Um, and though I was surrounded by a bunch of non-Christians, um, those, those things were really ingrained in me and, and the Lord used those men in, in ways I didn't expect to teach me um, about manhood. So then we meet 
Right, which I think, so for me, I had been not walking with the Lord faithfully. I had, I was really questioning, am I even a Christian? Have I gone away so far from the faith and new age and other beliefs that I'm not even a Christian anymore? And I, when I, where did that, where did that begin? Like, where did those questions begin with you? Or those doubts? So it really began with a ministry stint that I did in college. And um, some people asked me, you know, is the Bible infallible? And why do you think the Bible is infallible? And is it really that important? And it just really started to plant the seeds of, I don't know, am I wrong about everything that I believe? Because I really had pretty deep and conservative views of the Bible. Um, And I really those questions mixed with my confusion and kind of depression led me to really letting go of the Bible as infallible and trustworthy. And once you let go of that, it's really hard to hang on to a faithful faith. Yeah. Because it's hard to trust anything the Bible says. Yeah. Once you let go of authority, biblical authority, everything else is up for grabs. Right, which is what the modern deconstruction movement is all about. And I can just tell you, it is not life-giving. It does not give life. So I, um, when we met, I had just started to go back to a Baptist church on Wednesdays with a friend who I had made while living in eastern Kentucky as a chaplain. And I was really lost. I just was kind of blown about by the wind Um, and you were cute and I really I was almost divorced and uh, someone had suggested that I go on match.com this is not a commercial right or an endorsement (laughs) no Uh, and I could just hear my mom in the back of my head being like you should not date online that is not safe And so when I saw a police officer who seemed very conservative, uh, who seemed to be a conservative Baptist, I thought, oh, that seems the safest route to go. And I had a kid. And you had a kid. So I just felt like you weren't going to hack me up and put me in your back, (laughs) in the back of your car. (laughs) And I am not. Not yet. (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to lie. He... I I had other plans that night, and I wasn't going to go on a date with him. And he was just like, if you don't go on a date with me tonight, it's not going to happen again. I'm busy. Got a busy life. So I canceled my plans. I went on a date with Brad, and I fell in love with him that night, which he told me I was going to. So I will just tell you that I was... In the most self-deprecating, probably non-serious type of way that I could muster. But nonetheless... Yeah, it It worked. It did. But I also, I was definitely still feminist at that point. And I just was beginning to see the cracks in egalitarianism and feminism because it just hadn't served me well. It had left me very empty and it left me very, I think, feeling confused and my career didn't fulfill me. And I, I was a hospice chaplain, so I sat with a lot of people who were dying who were saying, I wish I'd had more children. I wish I'd, you know, not worked so much. I wish I had uh, 
done X, Y, or Z. And I was in their home sitting with them, reviewing their life, and I was jealous of their life. They were As taking, they died. They were taking care of their loved ones, and they were dying, and I was jealous. And I thought, I don't... <laughs> I think something's wrong here. I'm young, kind of attractive. I should I shouldn't be jealous of these people who are dying or the people who are taking care of them. So then I meet you. And um the first date we had, I don't think either one of us felt like it was going to go beyond that date, so we were totally ourselves. Super we had, honest. We were super like painfully honest. honest. Yeah. And we just had a great time. We had great chemistry, and we really enjoyed being together. And we went for a walk that night, and you said, Hey, I this is fun. I like you. Uh, but if all you want to do is have a good time, which is really what I wanted to have at that point, uh, then this is it. This We'll have a good time tonight, and that's it's over. Because I want to have more kids. I have a kid. Uh, I want to get married again, and I just was flabbergasted. I said I wanted to have a kid. <laughs> That's what. That's probably at. right. <laughs> Lots of children. Foreshadowing. And I just thought, well, I guess I'm going to be in a relationship with you because I don't want to lose you. And I went to church with you the next day and I felt immediate conviction from the Holy Spirit that I had not been living the way that God wanted me to and that I was wrong, that I, I was walking in sin and I needed to, I needed to change. What are some of the things that you would say? So I grew up, you have a very mixed, Mm -hmm. um, I have a very probably northeast experience. Theological of faith. heritage or mm-hmm. tradition. The church that I grew up in, um, grew up in, came to know the Lord in, um, eventually was ordained in, ordained for ministry from, um, was Southern Baptist. So theologically, that's. That was where I grew up, and that was the seminary that I attended. Like, I was pretty, it was pretty monotone as far as um, diversity of theological heritage. So, you've had all of that background going to a very liberal, even questioning faith and everything yeah. to begin with. Mm hmm. So how do you end up here? So we've been together 12 years now since we met. Mm-hmm. Like any day now, 12 years. It was August. Mm-hmm. Um, what, are, what are some of the, the key things that you could point to that would say that from, from going from a, coming out of a egalitarian mm-hmm. marriage and framework mm-hmm. to... You were a stay-at-home mom mm-hmm. of eight kids mm-hmm. and very much, use the, the naughty word here, submissive <laughs> wife. How do you... How did I get there? How do you get there? Yeah, so... Because your story is a lot more interesting than mine is. So I think first... When we were dating, it, it was, I don't know, 
a week or two, maybe three into our dating relationship. And we were talking about faith and I had really let go of the idea that Jesus's death on the cross is atoning. I can tell you exactly the circumstances. Do you remember it? We were driving to your family's reunion. It was the Labor Day picnic Mm -hmm. at my aunt's house. And we were listening to a song to a song on About the atonement. About the atonement, yeah. Yeah, and I I had just let go of that idea because that's actually pretty common in mainline churches that we don't want to talk about sin, and so we really kind of let go of the idea that Jesus' death on the cross atones for sin. I think your exact words to me were, do you actually believe that? Yeah. I think think those... If I probably I, I maybe started the conversation. I may be misremembering, but I think that was how it started was you saying, "Do you really believe that?" Probably. Because I I didn't really believe you didn't. that anymore. You were struggling, you were struggling. I was struggling, yeah. yeah. And and so Brad was like, "What? Have you ever read the Bible?" Which <laughs> I, it was charming. Kind of harsh, actually. That was probably really harsh. But I, so then I proceeded to very poorly explain why I thought that Jesus's death on the cross wasn't atoning, and he was like, "No, I mean, if you are going to be a Christian, you that's uh, you have to believe that, basically." And he was right. No faithful Christian who has read the Bible front to back and believes it would believe that Jesus's death on the cross isn't atoning. Uh, because there's so much foreshadowing in the Old Testament about the Messiah who... And even just the recognition, if you look at the world that we live in, you can you can clearly see that it is not as it should be. Right. Right? Like, turn on the news. The, the fact that we don't watch the news anymore because I was a cop for four years, because we were, we were surrounded by so much brokenness and death. Right. Yeah, there's darkness in the world and we need a rescuer because we are obviously sinful. Right. And so I think after that conversation and I I started listening to Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology podcast. I think maybe you recommended that I listen to Which is basically uh, just his lectures. Uh, If you're familiar, I probably have it somewhere on these shelves. Uh, his textbook, Systematic Theology. And it was just him lecturing through it in like a, was it a video? Videos or just a podcast? It's just a podcast. Just listen to it. <coughs> and I listened to some of Tim Keller's podcast. This was about 11 years ago, 12 years just ago. Just some of his sermons, right? Probably. It yeah. probably was his sermons. Um, and it really didn't take long for me to realize and I think reading the Bible and also going to church. And coupled with our local church, yeah. Um, it, so there was there was a watershed moment for me, actually. Uh, the pastor who was, for me at that time, was just the right person for me to be sitting under. And he said, you know, faith in Christ is a leap of faith. And you are either going to take the leap of faith uh, based on lots of different things, you're either going to take God at his word and take the leap of faith or you're not. And if you're not, you're not a Christian. And I just, I thought in that moment, yeah, like I, I am a Christian. And so I need to trust God's word. 
And I need to trust that it is what it says it is and that God is who he says he is. Um, and so I really, I mean, I let go of so many things at that point. I was very, uh, going to seminary, I was very uh, using she pronouns for God at that point and, you know, all the things. Anything that you think of a liberal, progressive, mainline, Protestant woman who is a, a minister. Ordained. ordained all, I was all those things. And I... At pretty much after that sermon, which was a few months into our relationship, I let go of all of it. Yeah, and and kind of since then, and we were we were talking about this again beforehand that this hasn't been like an overnight thing for both of us. Um, some of the things have come are more I don't want to say natural; they're not natural, but easier for me. And some of the things have been easier for you mm-hmm. to embrace. Right. And, you know, even for me, uh, I remember when I was going, when I left my home church to go to Bible college. Uh, and so full disclosure, like we would, we would I- identify, that's the language that we use now, right? We would identify um, as not only, well, we would say we were reformed, that, that we hold to a historic confession of faith. Um, the 1689 Second London Baptist Confession, um, being being the one that we um, would hold to most consistently as a historic confession of faith, um, and uh, but when I came to to seminary to Bible college, uh, I was told like, you know, just don't become a Calvinist. They're Calvinists there, and. Uh, we don't like them. And I didn't know what that was. My church didn't prepare me for that. They didn't tell me what that was. I just knew we didn't like them. And for me, what it where the that watershed moment again for me was reading the Bible for myself, hmm. which I hadn't done a lot of as a teenager. It was more, oh, this is what my youth pastor says, or this is what the the Sunday school curriculum says or whatever. And there wasn't a lot of me reading it for myself. And, uh, I got to a point where I was like, I just, you know, I went through the cage stage like everybody does. Like if you're not a Calvinist, you're, you know, you're against God and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know if you went through that. Did you have a cage stage? I don't think you did. No. You're so much more I was graceful than pregnant. I pregnant. <laughs> That's why I didn't have a cage stage. <laughs> so, you know, all with all of that, um, to kind of bring this to a head, because uh, I think we're kind of running out a little out of time here. But through this journey, right? I was a cop when we got married. Mm-hmm. Uh, our first so- our first child, our first son was born, and within months of that, well, when you were in the hospital with him. I decided to resign and it took three months for that to happen three months or so to pursue ministry again, uh, which she was freakishly on board with. I was scared to death. Yeah. He told me when I was in the hospital with our firstborn Haddon, uh, that he wanted to quit being a police officer, which he was about to get a $10,000 raise that year. I have a knack of quitting jobs (laughs) right as I get a raise. And, 
he wanted to pursue ministry again. I was like, great. And I argued with her. It was my idea, and I argued with her. I said, no, you just had a kid. You're supposed to want security and and all these things. And she's like, no, I've been waiting for this moment. And so um, serving, we ended up serving at this, uh, at a small, relatively new church, which led to uh, me being, uh, planting a church and, and being the lead pastor for seven years. Um, Wasn't that long? So five years, okay. five years at the church. And then that church plant merged with another church where I was kind of a co-lead pastor. And so seven years altogether with that, um, basically with that congregation. And, um, we had how many children in that time? Did we have? We had six children during that time. I don't know. Yeah. It was, we've had six a lot. together during those seven years. I think we accounted for a quarter of the children born in the <laughs> congregation during that span of time. But uh, in all of that, you know, um, eventually we, the Lord provided the opportunity for us to, and gave us the desire mm-hmm to transition out of that role, at least for the time being, um, and to work together as a family. And so uh, we focused on our farming efforts. Uh, we, we, in addition to our farming, we became business. We, we took on another business mm-hmm. um, later in that year after I, I took the leap and went full time at home. And so all of, all of that to say that um, even though I'm not vocational on the church, in the church, uh, our, our desire now is to be faithful members. Right. To, to serve our church, to love our church. Um, and, and it looks differently now. It looks a lot different now than it did two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get the opportunity to preach every now and then which I'm thankful for. Um, but it allows us to really spend, and, and I'll, I'll just speak for myself, to spend sp- more spiritual energy with the family. Um, which unfortunately, uh, and I just confess this in my sermon that I preached this past Sunday, mm-hmm. um, as a pastor was significantly lacking. I was I was expending all of my spiritual energy for the congregation, and um, being exhausted when I would come home, like spiritually and emotionally exhausted when my day was over, and had nothing left in the gas tank for my family spiritually. And so it's been a blessing for us. Um, and before she says it, I'll say it. it's not perfect, right? Like. No, it's not perfect, but I will say not only spiritually because he is able to lead more spiritually at home, I think, than he he was able to personally when he was a pastor, but also we just have so much more interaction together, which really has made our marriage so much better, and we already had a really good marriage. Um so we just we get to joke and laugh and have fun together throughout the day, most days, while also teaching our children and homesteading and homeschooling them. 
Um, so Which are all subjects that we will tackle on subsequent episodes as well, definitely. too. Yeah, and I, I think for us, I think one of the things that has continued to... So we have gotten more conservative over the years, and we have, uh, I think, eschewed more of the world. We've gotten rid of some of the worldliness that we have and we are still continuing to root out worldliness from ourselves and I think the reason that we have done that is just faithful reading of God's word both when we go to church we listen to God's word preached expositionally weekly and then we both have just read through God's word the whole word multiple times yearly yeah Yeah, like it takes me a few years to get through it and you read it through it more quickly but just reading through god's word brings conviction to us um, about lots of things and and i think we we have tough conversations too probably not as often you probably desire the tough conversations more than i do would you think that's fair yep (laughs) But we do have them. And I also have training in the tough conversations. And I do too, like pastorally. But it, I mean, I'm just being honest. Like it's hard within, it's easier to have a tough conversation with somebody outside your family that you don't have to go to bed with that night <laughs> and wake up and see the next morning. It's, that's harder to have a tough conversation at. For me, it is. I think it's easier, but we're just wired differently. <laughs> but I think all of those things have have grown us, not not just as a couple, um, like not just benefited our marriage, mm-hmm. but benefited us spiritually. Absolutely. And I think um, with everything that we've been through. Um, before one another and together because it's been it's been a lot either way um that the lord has been kind and faithful to us Mm -hmm. in all of those things and so you know our our hope for for sharing this one is that it it's an encouragement to you right we have we've been through crazy difficult circumstances Imperfect circumstances. We've we've gone from from cycles of of sin and cycles of disbelief, mm-hmm. um, and and the Lord has been has been kind and faithful to always bring us back to Him in the midst of those things, um, and and they're just reminders of. Um, that that it's not us right uh if left to ourselves i would be dead in sin and you would be dead in disbelief Mm. and doubt right yeah um and so this is kind of we include this in this because this is the foundation for everything that we do together as a couple Mm-hmm. Um, and, and bringing this to a close, we 
farming is a theological thing for us. Uh, it's practical for us because we have to feed a butt ton of kids. Can I say that on here? I don't know. <laughs> we'll find <laughs> That's out. our podcast. We'll say it. <laughs> we have to feed a ton of kids, right? And yeah. ourselves. I mean, honestly, that's my self-care, is feeding myself well. Right. And we'll talk about that in the next episode as we talk about, uh, or in the upcoming episodes, we'll talk about, uh, one, our family in one episode, and we'll talk about our farming and kind of our journey through farming as well, um, and how we got from uh, a single single mom raised in suburban St. Louis to Myrtle Beach kid right upstate new york to myrtle beach to mm-hmm. to kentucky and and ending up farming so but all all of that to say like the the faith is foundational for everything that we do um for the reason we have a big family mm-hmm. for the reason we raise the kids the way we raise them that we for the reason that we homeschool um and our farming practices as stewards of the land and things like that as well so any parting words as we sign off? I think that we have made a lot of mistakes, but we've also done lots of things right. And so we hope that this is encouraging and maybe it will help you if you're younger or even if you're older. Hopefully you can learn some things from what we have learned because I think to a large extent that is what we have both done. We have learned things from lots of other people and that's, how we are where we are now. Yeah. That's good. I'm not going to say anything else. That's, that's a, that's a good sign off. So thank you for listening. Uh, if you haven't already subscribe, uh, give us a review, um, rate our podcast, let us know in the comments, uh, what you'd like to hear. Any topics related to faith, family or farming, Uh, let us know we're happy to hear them we'll consider all things we may not attack all things but we'll consider all things and uh, we hope you guys are well